Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. G A L D E M G A L D E M. This song is good. Hello, and welcome to Galdem's first ever podcast. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased Our Stories About Growing Up as People of Color. My name's Liv, I'm Galdem's founder. And for those of you who don't know, Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to platforming the voices, perspectives and creative work of women and non-binary people of colour. Hello, I'm Charlie. I'm the head of editorial at Galdem and I'll be co-hosting our podcast with Liv. We're super excited to be starting our journey with you. Each week we'll invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, Welcome to, to our podcast, Growing, Growing Up With Galdem. It's a pleasure to have Ruby Tando with us today. She is a writer and cook from Essex. She's also the author of Eat Up, one of my favourite books, which is about food and appetite and eating what you want, as well as two cookbooks. So thank you so much for joining us. Hey, well, I'm very, very happy to be here. So thank you. 
Before we get into the into the meat of the podcast, we have to ask you this, which is how are you holding up during this period? It's it was just lockdown before, but there's kind of so much, you know, that is happening in the world. How are you feeling? How are you coping? I mean, I'm doing fine. It's a weird one. Like I find that like you catch yourself like feeling kind of just like a bit spaced out, bit weird, bit whatever. And uh, you're like, wow, this must be some personal failing. Like there must be something going on in my life. But no, it's just the world, it turns out. So yeah, it's a weird one. But yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. Feeling like, as well as feeling overwhelmed, feeling like quite motivated to kind of make sure that I find a good path out of this. I do as much as I can be doing and stuff like that. So that feels like something. It definitely comes in waves of of being incredibly energized and full of um you know that kind of motivation to 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 do the work and to do the action and then periods of wanting to kind of you know retreat into yourself. So yeah, yeah you know I th- I feel like we're all going through waves slightly. I'm curious has do you feel like your relationship with food has changed since lockdown has begun? I mean, I feel like I've been like reaching more for things that are comfortable. Like, I think that makes sense. Like everything is in such a state of upheaval that I kind of want like butterscotch angel delight and shit like that. So that's happening. But um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's the same as ever. It's not like wildly swinging the way that maybe it used to when I didn't have quite as much of a grip on things. So I feel kind of roughly okay in, in that sense, but also like my appetite's kind of they obey their own logic a little bit these days. And I think that's fine because it's a weird fucking time. So, yeah. It is fine and I (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) Yeah, no, me too. I've been eating, like, my sort of, like, safe food has become, like, cookies. Like, I've I've become really good at making this, like, particular type of, like, chocolate brownie cookies. Um, (laughs) Charlie's been baking, like, (laughs) non-stop. So I feel like that that is what lockdown has brought out for you. Bagels, cakes, brownies, everything. What have you been eating, Liv? You know what? I love food and I love cooking. And a couple of weeks into lockdown, I just didn't want to cook very much. Um, So I've been going between eating really delicious food that I've made, like roti, curry, that sort of thing, and like ready meals. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, just depends on what mood I'm in, if I've got the energy. I feel you. Ruby, one thing we always do with our guests is we try and remember the first time we met or like interacted and I was thinking back to when we first met and I think it was at Padella yes it was yeah and I think I was interviewing you for for Vice or or another publication and I I also I'm not sure if it's my first time there but you were just the best dinner companion I think I wrote that in the piece as well well, Ruby is a great person to have a meal with and you should all hit her up Well, I must have been on my best behaviour that day. I'm not always that companionable, but thank you. (laughs) No, that's all right. Um, And then, yeah, I was thinking of the other times we'd we'd met, and I think I interviewed you once, and I don't know if you remember this, but the speaking of recorders as we have as we have been I feel like the I remember this recorder yeah it didn't it didn't record and I had to like redo the interview with you oh yeah <laughs> yeah I'd forgotten that but yeah no I remember now but yeah. that was fine in the end wasn't it that, I mean, yeah it was fine but you were very gracious about it I remember and I was just like oh my god this is the most embarrassing like I talk <laughs> about that all the time because it really scummed me <laughs> so yeah Thank you for being you, for letting me interview you repeatedly. And um, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a pleasure. 
Could you tell us, um, we know that during this time you've been working on your next cookbook. Could you tell us a little bit more about what that's going to look like? We want to know. So I only just got like confirmed after quite a lot of time of me procrastinating and not sending off the proposal and all kinds of stuff like that. But I had sworn to everyone that I would never write another recipe. So I've had to kind of be a bit humble in this respect and like eat my words. I didn't want to write another cookbook at first because I was like that every recipe under the sun has already been written. What is the point? Like truly, what is the point? What can I possibly contribute? But then I think especially over the last few months, it's kind of become clear that like when you write a cookbook, it's not just about creating some new recipes or whatever. It's about being like a, a steward or a shepherd or someone to help someone through the process of cooking. Like you don't have to be an innovator. You're meant to be a guide and someone with some kind of knowledge and some kind of compassion as well to like help people build confidence in the kitchen and in a way that is appropriate and gentle and like you know, full of heart and stuff like that. So I think I realised that. And once I reconceptualised what a cookbook was meant to do in that capacity, I thought, like, do you know what, I want to give this another go. So the cookbook that I'm doing is called Cook As You Are. And it's all about cooking in your small kitchen or with your, like, really badly stocked pantry. If you've not got much confidence, if you've got loads of demands on your time, if you like to use kitchen shortcuts, whatever it is, it's about all of that. And it's about just meeting you where you're at rather than cooking being this aspirational thing. So yeah, that's the gist of it. I think that's so important. And also like, you know, kind of at the heart of the writing and the work that you do, it's about how can you encourage people to cook with with compassion and, and, it, and it not being about this kind of elitist thing that, where you have to have endless resource or, you know, if you're eating your favourite dish and it comes out of a tin or, or whatever, like, that's yeah. fine and that's valid and, and we should do and, and listen to what it is that our bodies want in that moment. So that's yeah. so important. And I feel like potentially quite lacking in, in food journalism. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I still come back to, like, I can't remember the specific, specific pas- passage, but it's, like, one of the messages that comes through and eat up. Like, every now and then when I am about to, like hate like not hate myself but like criticize myself for like eating something sugary that I really want I just come back to like the message of eat up and being like you know what I deserve this and like this is what my body wants right now and this is fine and I don't have to like hate myself for for eating it or or whatever um yeah so yeah I I can't wait to, to read the cookbook and it's also got me thinking about the cookbook that I've probably used most over lockdown which is um it's it's called super sourdough by James Morton and what I really like about his book is that he 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 gives you like all the information, like really techy techy stuff, like and it's like here it is if you want it. But also if you don't want to listen to any of that and you just want to give it a go, here's like the basic basic steps to like creating like nice bread that has like a good flavour. And like you know if you want to like like um like get really into like your proving steps and get your baskets and your you're scoring knives that's fine but if you don't that's also cool and I I really felt guided and like held by that book when I was like learning how to make bread in lockdown so I'm sure I'm sure your book will be much the same in that sort of like compassionate way Um, I love that that's so rare that a um like a a sourdough cookbook and a sourdough person like a full-on enthusiast can actually like find a path through that as well for people who maybe are not quite so like evangelical and mm-hmm. that's I think that's special I think that's what a cookbook should do is like meet people where they're at like whatever level you want to engage at like that's fine mm-hmm. 
moving on to your extract we're here to learn about you and and your past self and what it was like sort of growing up with you so we we were wondering Mm -hmm. if um if you could read it out for us I can yep so I had to trawl through my emails for ages to find this I have a very bad habit of deleting like everything in my life that came before the present moment like I I really quite compulsively clear stuff out so it was hard to find any relics from like pre-2016 um but in the end I found this so it's an email from 2010 from me to my boyfriend at the time so I will have been just 18 uh this is about things that I should have I wanted to do after quitting my job So the list goes, practice piano, learn jazz piano, learn trumpet, start composing, write poems, read poetry books, find competitions to enter, learn to bake, be vegan, try to improve 10k time, try to improve 5k time, strengthen arms at gym, do bum and tum exercises, read Revolutionary Road, read Day of the Triffids. Why Day of the Triffids? What 18 year old is writing that on their list? Read Brick Lane, read Modern Architecture Book, create a brief, then design a building for it. Food course in food hygiene and preparation. Open university short course, language course, learn yoga slash Pilates. Read Madame Bovary in French, learn Italian, start Russian, find restaurant work. Find out about Met Office placements for next summer. Sell unwanted instruments on eBay. Set up Amazon selling account for t-shirt business. Learn cloud taxonomy systems. Write essay about formation of storm systems or similar. And finally, plan outfits for all current clothes. So I think I feel like that gives you a uh, unique insight into my mind. I'm exhausted just hearing you read that back. Wow. I'm exhausted. What was going on? Yeah, it's a lot. It's... um. But so surprised, I think Liv and I can probably relate to that list individually quite a lot. And I, I do this exactly the same thing, even to this day where I, I make these insane lists. Actually, not, uh, I'll say that again. I make these huge lists and I try, I try and do as much as I can of them, but never quite succeed. But I mean, how, how does it feel reading, reading that back, um, to your older self? I mean, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted just reading it. And that's actually, I actually trimmed that that version down to send it to you because the other one was so unwieldy, it, it would have taken up the whole podcast. So that's the edited version. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't know what was going on. For, well, I do know what was going on for me. I think I just didn't know. I had no idea like how to feel content or how to feel restful or just like be in myself so like everything was like this mission everything was like a project a goal and um yeah I did I mean that list reads to me like a cry for help now Mm. but obviously at the time it was just the way I lived was this like a moment for Ruby or was this like an extended period of time where you were you know feeling like you have to do everything be everything achieve everything accomplish everything Oh, that was my whole life. That was that was all of it. Like, I'm sure there were plenty more lists like that that have been scrapped. But, yeah, that, that's the way I always did things, like, from when I was really small, like, writing lists, trying to get stuff done. But, I mean, there's something, looking at it now, like, now that I'm a bit older and have a bit more cynicism, maybe, in my outlook... I read that and whilst obviously it is wild and completely unachievable, 
I do kind of admire the uh, optimism in it, you know, like this idea, like, oh, why wouldn't I be able to do this? Like, that's that's something I, I respect that in a way, but also needed to rein that in a little bit, I think. Yeah, for sure. Do you, how do you sort of, um, how do you live your life now? I guess is the, the question, you know, it, have you moved away from the list system? Uh, uh y- yes, yeah. Like, I definitely have, but I think I still get sucked up by that kind of thinking sometimes. So I think these days, rather than always being all systems go, I have little bursts of, like, wild optimism, wild hope and enthusiasm, and then I'll have periods of, like, wow, like, I can't do anything. So I don't know whether that's actually a better way of being or whether it's just a more polarised way of being, but, um, yeah, I'm not quite so, like full steam ahead so you so you carve out you, you you listen to your body now I guess in a way and you you're you're you feel comfortable to carve out space where it's it's okay to not be on that high level of um productivity all of the time yeah yeah definitely I feel like I I kind of know when I'm setting really unrealistic and maybe even unhealthy targets these days I'm a bit more aware of that and so I try to not commit to too much because I think when I commit to too much and try and do a million projects at once I know that's when I end up feeling like wildly out of my depth and scared and confused so definitely got more of a handle on it although I would like to still make some progress in that regard. Mm -hmm. I thought it's interesting as well that this was a list that you chose to share was there a reason why you wanted to like you know give it to your boyfriend at the time for him to look at it as well? Uh, I think, I'm not really sure. I think it was the first time, like, having a boyfriend then was the first time that I felt like I had, like, a a conspirator and, that, like, someone who was being a witness to these projects. Like, I have always been and had to that point always been, like, such a loner. Um, and I did have a couple of friends, but they were never privy to like the workings of my mind or the things I really wanted to do or the things that I was passionate about. So when I had this boyfriend, who was my first real boyfriend, it felt like finally someone to share this stuff with. And it was a weird relationship. I, I don't think it was a model relationship, but it was nice in a way to have someone who was like, yeah, cool, great. Like, let's do this thing together or whatever. That was that felt quite new. I'm quite interested in in the in the process like the the kind of journey like you know we've just spoken about how you were in this place when you were you were 18 and how you're in a a slightly different version of that place now but mm-hmm. what has that journey looked like for you in terms of you know like you say learning to listen to what it is that you need because that obviously you know there's there's this is 10 years ago we're talking about so what's happened mm-hmm. in between I mean I I think it's been a lot of trial and error like there hasn't been a standout moment like walk the Pacific Crest Trail, like figure out my shit. Like that's not happened. It's just been making mistakes again and again and again and slowly through some process of attrition realising like, okay, that thing doesn't actually work. I need to figure out a different way of doing stuff. Like even quite recently, like last year, I was meant to do a big uh, a big talk thing, a conference, a food writing thing in New York and I was so excited about it. And when I committed to doing that, I also committed to doing a million other things in New York. So I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, if I'm going to be there, I should do everything. 
And then obviously it was too much and I had to pull out because I was like wildly overwhelmed and scared and panicked. And so I didn't do any of it. And like, so that stuff still happens to this day, like that overcommitment and then the pulling back. But every time it happens, the extremes get a little bit bit less extreme, you know? Like I'm starting to like just go above it. There's less range of emotion, less less range of, of turmoil. Yeah. Yeah, I can, again, I can very, very much empathize with that. I've been there and I, I, I'm not sure if I'm quite where you are yet. I'm not sure if I have, um, I, I'm not sure if I'm seeing as much progress in terms of like, yeah, <laughs> as much progress as you have seen. But I, I hope, I hope that in, in the future I will be kinder to myself. And yeah, with, especially with that overcommitment thing, because it's really tough because you want to, you want to do everything. You don't want to let anyone down. Um, Liv and I talk about this a lot, I think, um, in, in terms of the context of our work. But it, it also comes into play in personal lives and, and everything else. So, yeah, I feel you. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And I think, you know, that thing that you, you mentioned about it being a process and it being like, you know, at, at all these, all of these various p- moments and stages of your life, it's like a renegotiation of what those boundaries and what those things look like. So it's not like one day y- you found it difficult to set boundaries and the next day you're going to be good at it. It's like this constant mm-hmm. process of renegotiation. And I think that's also okay. And that's important. And, and yeah, so thank you for that. I mean, I feel like as well, like it's important to 
for me anyway, it's important to be realistic about where I am with this. Like, I have so much work still to do, like, so much work. I am not a calm person. I am not a person who has their shit together. Um, but I have more of a a perspective on it now than ever. Like, things are getting better, but I, I think there's this, especially these days and also especially for someone like me I love to tell stories like my job is to tell stories to write stories to create narratives and I do that far too much in my own life and I like to tell this big sweeping story about how I was here but then I sweeped all the way around to here and now I'm done and it's it's poetic and it's beautiful and that's not the way life works and I need to resist that compulsion in myself to tell the finished story, the fairy tale story, when actually I'm in the difficult act too still, and I probably will be for some time. Mm-hmm. That's, that is such a, like, I've never heard anyone articulate it like that before, but that is such a, like, beautiful sentiment. Um, just, yeah, recognising that your story is not is not finished, that it's, it's still in progression, and, mm. and also that urge to contextualise and, like, tie everything up in a bow um which is yeah it's so tempting like I was like this at one point and I'm no longer like this yeah I really really feel that um I remember like from the interview that we did in would it have been 2016 no when did your book come 2018 2018 uh is that right? yeah I can't even remember I never know years <laughs> I'd be terrible on a quiz show oh, um, I think it's 2018 I, I remember um one of the first questions I asked you was about how it felt to have like parts of because obviously in eat up you have parts of your life kind of interweaves weaves weaved into it um and whether or not you felt like comfortable or confident like having that part of your life written down and I, I remember that you said that like you were pleased to you you were happy to have that moment captured um so you could return to it and remind yourself of what it was really like back then or how you perceived that and I guess that kind of ties into what you were saying as well mm-hmm. um yeah definitely I mean it's weird like obviously you both know about this like the the vulnerability that comes with kind of documenting parts of your life online in writing whatever um and then there's there's kind of this expectation that if you're documenting it then that is the forever state of mind and that is you know the true you but obviously things always change even once you've got stuff together and that's a weird place to be in, to have this fragmented self, like, scattered over the internet and trying to reconcile that with how you feel here and now. Like, it's weird. It is weird. It is weird. And, yeah, you know, if you're ever in a situation where you do an interview or you speak to someone and they've read something from from one part of your life or one period, or it could be four years ago, and, and, and that's the thing that they're basing their question or their thought. Yeah. One thing that came up, I guess, in that list was, it seems as though, you know, a lot of the things on that list were were to do with creative expression. And I guess, I, uh, you know, how important has it been for you throughout the course of your life um, growing up to have those multiple ways to express yourself? You've got music, you've got poetry, you've got food, you've got so many things there. Um, I, I feel like so much of that, like, narrowed down, like, after I stopped being a teenager, I think... Maybe it was when I got to university and I realised that everyone else, rather than spreading themselves thinly, had actually dedicated themselves to one thing and they were much better at everything than me and then I kind of lost confidence a bit. But, yeah, after being a teenager, I just kind of 
for a while I didn't have any kind of creative expression and then I just was cooking I don't know to what extent that is that creative but I feel like I think it's useful for me. I think, as you've seen from that list, I tend towards being hyper-productive. So having things where I can just potter around, I think that is something that is good for me. I think it's usually best, actually, if I can't measure any progress or have that much productive output. So, um, you know, things like just baking the same old stuff over and over again, that that seems, I think, for some people, that might be a dead end. But that, for me, is like a kind of beautiful dead end like a dead end creative gesture that I can't like immerse all of my self-worth in it's just a thing I'm doing for an hour or two what advice would you give to your younger self in relation to the specific context of that piece of writing in that moment I mean calm down like I mean how would I communicate that to myself though because I guess at the time like that stuff felt life or death it kind of felt like if I don't have loads of stuff going on then what am I who am I what am I even worth? So I think, God, what would I say? I think maybe just like anchor yourself in people. That's maybe what I would say. I think I really resisted telling friends about who I was, about what I was interested in, in really reaching out to people or finding any comfort in people. And that's why I kind of so directed all that energy towards things and towards activities instead but actually people for the most part need people and I think I do need people even though I really resist that so I think that's what I would remind myself Mm. who um you you sort of mentioned like uh this idea of not telling people who you were but who who do who do you think you were back then if that makes sense and what were you sort of like like repressing or yeah Mm. I think I was just, I was really sad. I was just so sad. Like, I felt at home I was never particularly happy at all and I felt really torn between, like, my parents and and trying to keep my dad happy and trying to be nice to my mum and those things quite often felt like they kind of went against each other. And then at school I was actually quite horrible. Like, I was quite a horrible person, I think, so many people talk about being bullied at school I think I was the bully and I think that's because I felt like I was such an underdog I felt so alone um I think being at the school I was which was like a it was like a grammar school in South End, but it was in a nicer bit of South End. so everyone was white and everyone had quite a lot of money um and it there was just a culture there that was wasn't particularly nice and so I felt like an underdog so in so actually I just lashed out and then I became the nasty person in the end which was a shame but yeah I carried around all of that so I just felt like a horrible person I felt very sad all the time and I felt like I didn't really have anything to offer and so I think that makes it really hard to make relationships with people when you just feel like you are a piece of dirt and like you don't fit in and like you're horrible as well Like you don't want people to see that side of you I feel like I can slightly relate to that being in that type of environment around people who don't necessarily, you know, directly reflect your lived experience being like a little queer black girl and like not necessarily feeling like those things are represented. And I definitely had a moment where I became that person who I guess was taking out some of those frustrations. I feel like year nine live was pretty bitchy 
So oh, year nine, year nine is the nastiest age. I don't think we asked where, what your younger self would think about the Ruby today, the Ruby of today. Like what, what would she have thought? Oh, I think my younger self would hate me. I think I would absolutely hate me, but that's because I was so just scared and I hated anyone who had even a tiny bit more confidence than me or any more idea of who they were than me. And so I was just wildly jealous of pretty much everyone. So I would have probably hated the the, the now me, the today me, but I can, I can deal with that. That's growth. One, another question we always try and ask is like, any advice for the younger generations, for people, perhaps not your younger self, but mm-hmm. the young people who want to follow in your footsteps um, and who want to sort of navigate a career in food, say, um, what would be your sort of key pieces of advice for them? I mean, I feel like the main thing, and this is something that it took me ages to figure out, was that you need a community of people around you, like people who get you, people who are like you, or at least people who are sympathetic to what you're trying to do. Um, I think in the food writing world in particular, it is so white and it's so middle class and it it's really sometimes they'll have you on board sometimes they'll they'll get you on board they'll welcome you into the the circle and the expectation that you don't really cotton on to at the time is that you have you're gonna have to behave exactly like them and you're gonna have to share the same interests as them and talk in the same way as them and have the same politics as them so it's a very fragile kind of inclusion and I think it's very seductive at first but then you realize like wait a minute this doesn't feel right and this isn't for me so I think like right from the get-go it's really important to reach out to people that are on the same page as you and actually create those connections and really invest in them because actually like the last couple of years um, is when I've like most reached out to people in a meaningful way and I feel better in the work that I'm doing now than ever even though by all accounts like I'm making less money than ever and I am less successful by any kind of objective measure than I ever have been so yeah I think that's really important yeah and I think you can correct me if I'm wrong but um one of my favorite food writers who I've come across who I think is in your circles as well um is Jonathan Nunn is that his Mm -hmm. name yeah, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I've seen you guys like on Twitter having <laughs> having your little like pops at like some of the um, not little pops, big pops, like <laughs> you know, food writing changing the industry pops at, at some of the sort of main problematic players. Um, and yeah, I yeah, I just wanted to chat to you a little bit about that and how it feels now to be able to be a bit more vocal about the things that you just like about the food industry, um, food writing industry specifically. Sorry. Mm. I mean, it feels great. It feels great. And like, I'm I'm trying to check myself as well. Like, I don't want to just always be popping off because then I, I, I do love popping off, but then it loses its power. So I'm trying to check myself and trying to like save my energy for my own sake, if nothing else. But it, it feels good. Like when you have like allies with you who get it, because otherwise you just end up feeling like completely gaslighted all of the time. Like when I used to have issues with the way that people were behaving in foods like maybe people were uh like what oh one one tweet I did ages ago was about observer food monthly and all of their colors were of covers sorry were of white men 
every single one for like 20 issues and then there was like one woman with her head in a bin was the only woman and there were no people of colour anyway it was a mess and I tweeted about it and I just felt so alone and I felt like I was being really unreasonable but it's because I didn't I wasn't reaching out to the right people and I didn't have those those people beside me to kind of back me up in that but now I feel a lot more supported and it's good as well because it means that I can lend my support to them when they're I don't know that when they have an issue with someone or if they've been treated wrong or whatever. The point about community is such an important one and something that has kind of been coming up a lot throughout this series in in terms of finding people who you feel safe with and who you can find home with. How have you found that community that you now have where you kind of have the confidence and you feel, um, yeah, you're putting it out to the to, to people who are maybe going to be more receptive than than otherwise? I think you just... You have to be proactive, definitely. I think I kind of just, before, I was just being complacent and I was just like, oh, I guess I'll just come across people. Um, But you don't just come across people. You have to find people. You have to find your people. And also, to be honest, like, if you're desperately trying to, like, build a career, if you're desperately trying to climb the ladder, you are just going to be looking up to people at the top of the ladder and you are just going to be seeing the people who've already been rewarded under the corrupt systems that are already in place uh so you're not going to be finding your people there if you're desperately trying to make it up there so I think it's about being a bit more measured taking your time I know how difficult that is but like if if you can take your time and not just see everyone as a pawn in your game it will pay off in the long run like you will have a a community around you and not just like this this hollow and, and fragile success yeah which is which is will only ever be temporary. That's such an important point, and I think a really good place for us to end the bulk of this discussion on. It's been amazing so far. We've got a set of quick fire questions that we're gonna ask you, and then then we'll wrap. Okay. Okay. So quick fire round. Are you ready? Yeah. What shows are you binging at the moment, or what show are you binging at the moment? Oh, this is embarrassing. It's, it's on Netflix. It's called Selling Sunset. Oh my about... gosh, I'm sorry. I actually, it's so trash, but I love it. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah, it's horrible, right? Like all these morally bankrupt real estate agents. They're horrible. I hate them all and I love the show. So, yeah. What food item are you missing the most during lockdown? I could actually, I could kill for a coffee that someone else has made. I know that's a small thing, but... I'm really craving it even like I'm not fussy like I would go to a Costa right now and just have a Costa I don't even care yeah I mean there is something something special in the act of buying an overpriced flat white you know yep (laughs) (laughs) final one what is your lockdown anthem like the song you've been playing if you have one I don't know I don't really I, I don't really listen to much music I'll be honest so I don't really have one not one song <laughs> here's what it is I can't like I'm very like I'm aware that my emotions are all over the place so when I listen to music really I am it. wherever that music is like I will go there straight away and that is so it feels so unstable that I try to avoid going there I just like numb myself with selling sunsets instead so that and that is fine that is fine <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for joining us. We've no, thank loved you. to have you on thank here. You. It's been, yeah, a pleasure. Same. It's been lovely. That was great. I feel like 
a lot or a big part of what Ruby was saying was just about honouring your journey, which I think is important, you know, recognising where you are at various points and, and being okay with that, acknowledging that and not kind of putting yourself under undue amounts of pressure to have it all figured out. Mm. Yeah, I think I think the favourite bit about what she said for me or the bit that's probably going to stay with me is this idea of like telling your own story. And I think it kind of ties into why I keep a diary in the first place, which obviously helped to instigate <laughs> this whole podcast and the book which is that like I I never wanted to forget parts of my story or kind of sugarcoat them or like lie to myself about what I was doing or how I was feeling. And even though sometimes it's hard reading back on entries and acknowledging that that's who I was back then, um, there's something, yeah, really good about doing that as well. Acknowledging the change in yourself. Yeah. Thank you for listening to, to, to week two of us in lockdown in our bedrooms. Um, I'm sure that you'll all have taken a lot away from what Ruby said and we cannot wait for you to join us for next week's episode. This has been an II Studios production. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune into the next one. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review, rate us and subscribe. It really helps the show. And if you'd like to find out more about Galdem, you can head over to our Instagram page at galdemzine, that's G-A-L-D-E-M-Z-I-N-E. Or you can visit our website, which is G-A-L hyphen, which is important, D-E-M dot com. Galdem has a book which is out now. It's called I Will Not Be Erased, Our Stories About Growing Up as People of Colour. You can find it in all good bookstores or online. Thank you so much for listening. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.